you have to go to all these things? What's the extra, extra, extra thing you're chasing down? Do you have to be on social media? Do you have to watch that episode of that thing? Here's what I tell people. You don't have time not to. You're going to burn your organization down. You're going to pass family trauma along. Your kids are going to grow up with the same hurt and pain. Stop. And more deeply than that, you deserve a better life than this. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're talking about financial trauma. According to a recent study, one in three millennials suffer from PTSD-like symptoms caused by financially induced stress. This could be from something that happened in their adult lives or even things they experienced growing up. But there's no doubt that these experiences define our relationship with money and in turn, our relationship with our families. To help us understand financial trauma better and to help us find ways to change our future, I've invited Dr. John Deloney on the podcast today. John is a national best-selling author, mental health and wellness expert, and the host of the Dr. John Deloney Show. Before joining Ramsey Solutions, John spent two decades working as a senior leader at multiple universities, a professor and researcher, and crisis responder. Now, as a Ramsey personality and the author of Own Your Past, Change Your Future, he teaches people how to reclaim their lives from the madness of the modern world. When John isn't helping people own their past and change their future, he enjoys spending time with his wife and two kids. Welcome to the show. John. What's up, Andy? Man, that was the nicest intro ever. Thank you. <laughs> well, you've done some cool things, man. It's easy to easy to do a good intro when you do great things. So I appreciate you doing what you do out there and helping people with this really tough topic of financial trauma. Can you help us define what financial trauma is? The way I'd wrap my head around it is that trauma is simply when our bodies are overwhelmed right? Our response systems to things are overwhelmed. Like our operating system just gets flooded. And it's also when our body is responding in the present to things that have happened in the past. And so when I think of financial trauma, I'm going to think of as finance being the trigger, whether that is my body remembers, and I say that intentionally, my body remembers mom and dad talking about money, And that turned into fights and screaming and yelling. And so when money comes up, my body, my amygdala remembers that story and sets off the cortisol and adrenaline throughout my body saying, hey, get out of this situation. It's not safe. Into 20s, 30s, 40s, it'll follow that for the rest of our lives. Or financial trauma might be, I'm hungry and I worked a full shift today and then I did a side hustle tonight and I have to decide what bill to pay because the city I live in is really expensive. And our body recognizes we're hungry or we're lonely or we're exhausted or we're in fight or flight all the time just trying to get basics covered. So it's anything that goes on that overwhelms our system with money or finances as the trigger there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you gave some great examples there. Can you think of a time in your life where you had a financially traumatic moment that was sort of defining for you? I got a couple. I, I, I even wrote about one in the new book and I actually called him and said, hey, are you okay with me telling the story? But my dad was a homicide detective and a SWAT guy growing up. He's a bad dude. He was awesome. And he really was dedicated to serving his community. And I think he made like $21,000 a year as a police officer. He didn't get paid anything. And so there was seasons when the, the most haunting story is the one that newfangled uh, 
technology called the debit card came out. And I don't know if you remember back in the day, but you could swipe it. And if it didn't have the money, it would either deny it or sometimes it would just charge you a late fee. And so he tells the story of going to the grocery store, knowing there's no money in that account, but he had three hungry kids at home. And so you got a guy who's working so hard and trying to serve his community and he still doesn't make enough just to get meat and bread. I mean, little stuff. And we lived a pretty Spartan life. We had one car, we had a regular size little house, you know? So all I have to say is money in my house was either you don't talk about it or there was some major fights about it. And then as I got older, man, I just jumped in line with everybody, got my big fancy degrees and my wife did too. And we had six figures of student loan debt. And I remember when the market collapsed in 07, 08, and 09, that, man, I was haunted. And higher ed, where I worked, was doubling its prices every year. And I went stone mad. Like, the math wasn't working out. Like, on the industry of higher ed, on the industry of these housing loans, on my personal, how do we own this much? And it was really all along my body was just screaming at me. We're not safe. We're not safe. We're not safe. So, yeah, I mean, I've, I've paced the house at night when my wife and kids are sleeping, un, unsure of what we're going to do next. So, yeah, I've, I've lived this. Man, this, is, this, is, this one's ingrained deep in. You talk about that Great Recession period of time. I had some tough moments, you know, thinking I was doing the right thing by buying a house early on in my life. And then the housing market in Detroit just went to... <laughs> it went yeah, to it yeah, I bought a house yeah. for $200,000 and all of a sudden like that, it was worth $100,000, but I still owed that $200,000. Yeah, right. yeah. The bank says, well, that, that's an Andy problem. <laughs> exactly. Talk about financially traumatic. So we're talking about these things right now and they're hard to think about because they bring up these feelings of danger or I'm not protected, but is it important for us to think about these and face them? Here's what's really important. The answer question, sure, yes, we got to deal with it. It's important to answer what you just said, though. I think just to take a broader picture, we do have feelings and we do have emotions, but deeper than emotions and feelings are the the lights on our dashboard, right? They're just telling us how much gas we got in the car, or hey, your your tires are low, or you need to change the oil. It's not the problem, and. When we feel uncomfortable, when we think about these things from our past, I literally just recounting my the 2007, 2008, I felt my heart pick up, right? You probably did too, thinking about that time your house fell in half, right? It, the, the value fell in half. We, I, I think we jump to character and moral judgments on those feelings really quick. And we jump to you're weak or you're a coward or suck it up really fast. And I think it's important to call out our body has put a pin in, this is scary and we're not safe. And when I think about those things, it floods my body with chemicals that gear me up to punch something or kick something, to run from something or to freeze and hope it passes by. And this is a biochemistry issue first. And then a, what are you going to do now? Then it becomes a character moral strength issue later. And so when I recognized, oh man, this, my body's just trying to take care of me here. Then I could solve this problem. And I wasn't running around fighting everything and being angry at everything or hiding for everything. So is that, does that make sense? It does. I mean, so you're saying facing them is important, but it's also okay that these feelings are happening, right? Right. And that's why Navy SEALs, like I, I got buddies, that, they're scared. You would be psychotic if you weren't going into battle. That's why you train like you do. That's why you have the fitness that you do. That's why you've got the gear that you have. That's why you have the team around you that you have. So that when you're scared, 
you've got a firm foundation to head, keep going forward. And so absolutely, you got to deal with these fears head on. You got to deal with the trauma head on. You got to walk into it and you got to be prepared when you do. And you got to have a group of people around you that will walk with you. And you got to have a plan to walk. You can't just go walk, running into the house, firing up in the air going, ah, you're going to get yourself killed, right? So you got to have a couple of things as you head into the, into the storm there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, suppressing these feelings, pushing them back, this can have an adverse effect on our marriages, our relationship with our kids. Talk to us about that. Everybody loses when you shove, shove stuff down. I think it's the great Brene Brown that says, shame eats secrets for breakfast. And when you keep stuff from people that you love, your body has a biochemical reaction to that. And here's the, here's the hard part. I think I'm protecting my wife by not telling her how bad her credit card debt is. I think I'm protecting my kids by not being honest. I'm not going to read the budget out to my six-year-old daughter, but letting her know that is not something that we've planned for. We're not going to spend our money. I'm not protecting her if I hide all that from her. Actually, what I'm doing is I'm creating a gap and they feel that gap. And then my wife or my kids go about trying to solve that relational gap because they say, well, he's a good guy and he's a person of integrity. It must be me that's the problem. And then I've sent my kids on a lifelong adventure to find out why dad didn't love them. And it all comes from the fact that I wouldn't have an honest, vulnerable conversation with them up front and say, man, daddy's really uncomfortable right now. Daddy's, dad's scared. And here's what dad's going to do next. Right. So it's, it's, or my wife, Hey, we've got a financial issue that we really need to sit down and be grown ups about and be honest. We got to face this. And I told God and all my friends and family that I'm sticking by you and you did too. So that we're in this together. Let's do this together. That's a way different thing than, I'm just going to suck it up and man up and I'll deal with this myself, man. Because then everybody turns to ash when that happens. I loved football growing up, you know, like it's a good example. You use the military, you know, I, I played football and it's like, it's a lot of suck it up and get back out there and get it done. And we don't worry about those feelings. So well, here, here's what's beautiful. <laughs> In the last 20 years, 25 years since I was last on a football field. Yeah, I was in Houston in August doing two days and it was, I'm going to find out who's real tough. Oh, oh, you need water. That's cute. You want an umbrella in that water? Right. So I grew up in that world. And then you fast forward 20 years. And now the toughest, smartest coaches are saying, we're going to do hitting drills rarely. And I'm more interested in preserving your body so that we get to the night of and everybody's safe and can perform well. And so we're learning as we go. But yeah, you and I grew up in a different world, right? I, I think our parents were taught. If, you're, if you fight in front of the kids, if you tell the kids too much, you're going to scare them. So you and y'all go fight in the back bedroom. You deal with your money issues or your job issues in the back bedroom. And what ended up happening, I think they were trying to love us the best they could. What ended up happening was they robbed kids of what it looks like when two people who love each other and are committed to each other disagree and then have dinner together that night. We lost the disagreement so that when we got married or when we were dating and we got into our first fight, we we're like, well, this is it. We're over because we didn't have a picture of what that looks like. Right. Or nobody talked about money. It was 10 years into my marriage before my wife and I were like, hey, we probably should figure this out. You know what I mean? In a real honest way, because I didn't have a picture for it. And now my kids, they hate the fact that I make them sit down and do budgets with us. Sorry, guys. <laughs> you can tell your therapist about this later, but you're going to know how this thing works. Right. And that's that's. It, 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 every generation, I hope, is trying to do a little bit better for their kid. Openness and communication and transparency. I've never really heard that to be a bad thing. So I'm all about it. Let's talk about facing some of these financially traumatic events. Let's say somebody's listening. They're like, man, I've had some 
rough things that happened in my childhood. I mean, maybe they're feeling your story with your father and, and all that you guys went through, you know, making it to where you are now. How do they start to face those moments? How do they start to face those things that happen in their lives and realize that having these feelings in this background might be beneficial to their future? I think that the cornerstone is acknowledgement. Cornerstone is what is your body telling you? And most of us approach our bodies as we try to numb them or we try to run from them. And they're pretty good antennas most of the time. And so when my body takes off on me now, the magic word is I'm curious about it. I'm not angry. I'm not judgmental about it. I don't run from it anymore. I'm curious. Like, whoa, what's my body trying to protect me from now? Oh, I remember this story. This is the one where dad gets upset. And then I can say, yeah, that happened. And now I'm okay now. So one of the things when I would show up and there had just been a shooting or somebody had just passed away, a really horrific situation. One of the goals was to get that person out of their limbics, out of a fight or flight into, hey, you're okay now. You weren't then, you're okay now. And we used to do that sometimes by just walking down a sidewalk at 2 a.m. counting the cracks. Or we'd be in in a home and we'd count ceiling tiles. I was just trying to get their brain back. You're here now, right? And so, man, dealing with these stories where did I learn this? Or where did I not learn this? How come every time my wife says, hey, let's talk, we need to talk about the budget. Can we afford this? Why do I feel angry? Because I love her. Be really conscious about that. Stop blaming everybody for what's going on in your body. It's usually your body just trying to talk to you, right? So start there and be curious. And then I, man, writing stuff down, writing these stories down. I wish I had something <laughs> more like Jocko to, to, to pass along to you, more Navy, but I keep a, a small journal that I bought for like nine bucks in my bag. And it's just a stories journal. I keep it with me. So those moments that I'm thinking, man, you're terrible at being a dad. I'll write that down and I can hold it out and go, is that true? No. Or I can say, man, my wife's always getting on to me about the budget. I'll write that down and I can go, is that true? No. Or yeah, she is. And it's because I'm out of control. I spin like crazy. Or Yeah, she is because she's scared about our financial future. I need to lean into that. And so getting it out of my body and onto a piece of paper so I can get some distance from it. And then the third thing, man, is I get people with me. I don't always see things clearly, especially when I'm spun out. So I've got some buddies I've run with for a long, long time that I can call and say, tell me if I'm crazy. Usually the answer is absolutely don't. (laughs) Don't do what you're about to do, but getting people around you, man. We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsors. Thanks for taking the time to consider our sponsors, everybody. Let's jump back into the show. I loved your point on sort of walking back hyperbole where you're saying this always happens or this never happens. And if you write it down or just kind of walk it back a little bit, is that true? Or why do I feel that way? That comes with creating time and space for those thoughts or those journaling moments. What about the person who's listening? Man, I don't even have time to think. I've got two little kids. I got a job. My wife's got a job. I'm running from thing to thing. How do they solve this? Man, so we've created a world that our bodies can't live in. I would tell that person, you're choosing busy over life. You are going to get to the end of your life with no tread on the tires, but you're not going to be near how far you could have gone. You're passing this on to your kids and you're teaching them this is how we deal with things. So I would tell that person, look at your time. Do you have to go to all these things? Slow down. What's the extra, extra, extra thing you're chasing down? Do you have to be on social media? Do you have to watch that episode of that thing? Do you have, I mean, here's what I tell people. You don't have time not to. 
You're going to burn your organization down. You're going to pass family trauma along. Your kids are going to grow up with the same hurt and pain. Stop. And more deeply than that, you deserve a better life than this. One that you have already planned out your next 14 Saturdays being in another city to play some soccer game about. What are you doing? What are we doing? Right? We've created an ecosystem that is uninhabitable. And so I really want people to take a look at their life. Is this what we, is this, is this it? And if you find yourself at a little league game and you're angry, that's a you problem. It's not that poor middle school, high school kid who's in the game. If you're at a dance recital and you are pacing up and down, what are you doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? We've just, we've just outsourced everything to our kids, to our, we've just passed everything on and we're living these catch up lives. And I want people to take ownership back of their life, right? Our kids are desperate for it. The world is desperate for it. And start there, start with the mirror, man. There's a stigma out there for people who need professional help, you know, like you failed or like, hey, you know, there must be something wrong with me. Talk to me about the importance of seeking out, yes, friends and connection, but also professional help if you're feeling like I do not have control of the situation. How, how nuts is it that we don't mind calling someone to fix our toilet because we don't know what we're doing? or our roof, or we would never hesitate to have somebody with some expertise other than a few YouTube videos and a WebMD subscription to like give us a heart transplant. But when it comes to helping us untangle their connection between our thoughts and the way our bodies work and these built-in looped actions that we've been living throughout our lives, we get all bunched up about it. I don't understand it. My whole life philosophy is, have somebody to walk alongside you in everything. I got one of my closest buddies on the planet is a banker. You know what? I don't have one second to think about banking. I got a guy and my wife is a pedagogy expert. Her PhD is in curriculum. She teaches teachers how to teach kids how to read. You know what? I've never studied how to teach kids how to read. I got somebody. I know some, right? And so when it comes to psychology, mental health, we spend way more time on Google. Why? There's so many great professionals out there that will walk alongside us. And in six weeks, eight weeks, we're transformed. We've got new, new ways to do it. So I, th- I do think in our parents' generation, going to a counselor, going to a psychologist meant, whoa, like that's next step is mass murder or next step is loony bin. I think that that has shifted almost pathologically the other way. Now we're outsourcing friendship to therapists. A lot of stuff, a lot of us need to need some buddies that we can be honest with and be open with. We need a regular group of guys or, or men and women that we hang out with once a week and just have chips and queso and a drink and talk to. So we've kind of hit it the other way, but man, we've just got to get over that. I've seen a counselor on multiple occasions and multiple seasons. My wife has, we've done it together. I mean, it's just important. Every, everybody I know who's successful has sat down with somebody that's good. Well, let's talk about the friend side of thing because we're just coming out of two really Ugh. weird years in our <laughs> world. And, you know, some people have stepped away from maybe call it long-term friendships or just the thing that they did every month to see people. And now we're coming back into some reality and they forgot how to make friends or keep friends. Like <laughs> this might sound like a weird question, Dr. Deloney, but how do you make friends in 2022? You know, so... <laughs> My wife, uh, when I, I, I worked at undergraduate and graduate students forever, and then I took a job as the dean of students at a law school. And I was meeting with these students, and I'm not a lawyer, so I was learning along the way. And I kept, like, I'd come home complaining, these students can't do this, and they can't even do this. And finally, my wife, again, who's a professor of education, said, hey, listen, do one of two things. 
either A, shut up and quit, or why don't you actually teach them the things that they need to learn then? Because you're a teacher and that's what you do. And I remember going, oh yeah, I'm just whining a lot. I'm, so that's where they were. And so I took the job. And so my job was to teach them where they were. This is where we are now. When we were little kids, they dumped us at a table with other kids and said, here's the red ball y'all play, or here's the piano or the xylophone or the choir, whatever. And then they dumped us into middle school and they dumped us into high school and theater and choir and whatever, robot club or whatever's going on. And then we went to college and they dropped us in a box with a thousand strangers and said, y'all just make life together. And then we joined fraternities or sororities or student government, whatever we did, whatever. We got a major and then they kicked us out into the world and then it got silent. There was nobody. Right. And so we, we were in a loneliness epidemic long before COVID hit us. In fact, the diseases of despair data, we were dying earlier because we're such a lonely, lonely society. And that isn't woo woo. That's just, that's out of the journal of American medical association. We're dying younger because we're so lonely. And then we've been handed like Netflix knows us really well. They know what we want to watch next and Amazon knows what we want to buy next. And so now we've just got this steady dose of chemicals letting us bypass the risky, ugly messiness of being in relationship with real people. Oh, and by the way, you can just text and DM each other now. We don't really don't have to have face-to-face conversations anymore. So all that to say is this, we have to recognize full stop, loneliness is killing us. We will live shorter, more miserable lives if we try to go at this thing alone. We're not designed for it. We're designed to be in relationship with other people. So what do you do? It starts with taking a risk, looking in the mirror and saying, I'm worth being in relationship with. I know this is going to be uncomfortable and I'm going for it anyway. Going first, inviting people to your house, being hospitable, calling that friend that you got in a fight over the mask or no mask or that, and just saying, I'm an idiot and I'm sorry. I thought you were trying to kill America with whatever your decision was. You weren't. And uh, you watched the same YouTube video I did. We both call ourselves experts. I'm sorry. Let's, can we just go get something to eat, right? It might be calling our parents back and saying, I don't know why I said that over the holidays about the vaccine or who you chose to vote for. Can, you, can we get back together? Like, I think we're in that season now that we were fight or flight. We did some things. We said some things. These long-term friendships are worth it. And if they're not, then we've got to be about the business of making new friendships. Every relationship is a risk, period. So take the risk, take the risk because the other, other, other avenue is not a risk. It's a guarantee you will die and your body will fall apart on you in service of loneliness. I've definitely researched this as a 40 something man. I know the importance <laughs> of creating uh, connections outside of what you do on a daily basis, as well as being a young parent and being married because it's good to have outlets that help you. And I write about this in this new, in the new book here. We've made our spouses our whole world. They're our best friends. They're our safety net. They're our financial co-managers of a house. They, oh, by the way, you got to stay hot till you're 70 because we're going to be sexually active till we're 95 years old. All the things all in a row. We've dumped everything onto our spouse and we've dumped everything onto our kids. They're our identity. If they're good on a ball field, it's a it's proof that I'm doing a good job. If they get good grades, that proves I'm a good I'm a good dad. And so we've outsourced our identity to our kids. They can't carry carry that weight. Our spouses can't carry the weight of being everything for us. And we often don't think of it in these terms. The greatest gift you could have your family give your family 
is having a Monday night thing with a bunch of dudes. We all go out and you act stupid and you say stupid stuff and you'll argue about politics and you laugh and you play poker to get whatever the thing is. And wives, listen, I mean, the greatest thing you could give your family is to make your ding dong husband do bedtime and do dinner and you go run the town with your friends once a week. That's the greatest gift you could give your family. Not this unlimited, like, oh, I'm here for you. I'm here. That's you're. We're killing each. We're all holding our own each other's heads underwater, and none of us can breathe. Right? Yeah. Nicole and I started to do something. Actually, I think it was during the pandemic, or maybe before. We'd call it Mommy's Night and Daddy's Night. So we just exchange every other night during the week to say, "Hey, I'm I'm full on tonight with the kids. You go do what you wanted to go do, whether that's staying here and reading a book or going out with your girls or whatever, and vice versa." And it was one of the best inventions we've made, and it also helped us to stay connected with a lot of important people out there. So I would suggest that for people giving each other a little break, and it might be a good solution for you. So, John, let's talk about like, somebody listening right now, and they said we we started this conversation about financial trauma. I'm ready to face this. What's one small step that they can take following this interview to get where they need to go and own their future? I think the most important thing is to rec- there is no long-term behavior change. There is no long-term character change done in isolation. So the first thing I want someone to do when they're like, I'm ready is to call somebody that's going to walk alongside them. Most of us would need a professional because we're so lonely. We don't have a friend to just ride shotgun with us. Some people are blessed with that. And you call a friend and you say, hey, I'm about to make some, I'm going to lose 50 pounds and you're going to hold me accountable. And, or I'd love for you to join me. I'm going to run a marathon. I'm going to decide, I'm going to get out of debt. I'm going to do it in two years. And this is what this is going to look like. You got to have people, you got to get connected before you take anything on. And then the second thing is, man, you really got to lean into controlling your thoughts. And the third one is controlling your actions. And I'm going to have to choose to live differently. And I'm going to have to choose to think differently. And I'm going to practice. I'm going to be graceful because I'm going to fall down on my face as I take this journey. But I'm going to change the way I think. I'm going to change. Uh, and again, I don't need this. I want it. I don't have to have this. It would be cool. I don't have to have a credit card to exist. I don't have to have mortgage debt to exist. I don't have to have a new car to be worth going on a date with. I got to change the way I think, right? And I don't have to wear those clothes from that. I don't have to, man. And so, and then I got to change my actions, man. I got to give my credit card to the trash. I got to sometimes dis- unhook my Amazon Prime account and give my buddy or my spouse the code. And they're going to ask me every time I need to buy something. I'm going to do that until I have, I'm going to take Twinkies out of my house, man. I'm going to stop, I'm going to take gummy candy out of the house. I'm going to do these things so that I can change my actions. And then over time, man, you, you just become a new person. Your identity shifts. It's beautiful. I love that. I love that. Thank you, John. And I am also addicted to uh, gummy candy as well. It's a it's a big Friday celebration treat at my house. Talk to oh, us about this dude, book. Talk to us I about can't, man. <laughs> it's tough to deal with, right? Talk you to us you. about the book. It's Own Your Past, Change Your Future, right? Where can people yeah. get that? Own Your Past, Change Your Future. You can go to johndeloney.com and it's in pre-sale right now. It comes with a free month of therapy from BetterHelp. It comes with the audio, but all the stuff with that you get in pre-order and it's, I think it's 20 bucks. So it's a killer deal, but you can go to johndeloney.com. Hopefully you go check it out. Excellent. John, thank you so much for your time today. And thank you for talking and connecting today. It's very important, especially for a couple of dudes in their forties. Appreciate it, man. Thank you, my brother, Andy. I appreciate you putting good stuff up. Trauma in any form is important to recognize so you can prepare to handle it responsibly. Here are my top three takeaways from my conversation with Dr. John Deloney. Number one, be curious. 
There are reactions you have to financial situations in your life. You react that way because of something, because of a way you were raised or something traumatic that happened in your life. Before going off and jumping to the next thing, pause and be curious why you reacted the way you did. For example, I am hyper-conscious of owing people money, especially my mortgage. Is that because I'm crazy? No, it's because I had a horrible go-around with my first home buying experience, and my present and future are now affected by it. Have that same curiosity when you're thinking of judging others in your life as well. Instead of, wow, that guy's really cheap, or wow, that woman spends money like it's going out of fashion, think a bit deeper about why your friend or your spouse has these financial habits they have. Is it something deeper than surface level? Most likely. So be curious. Number two, write it down. When you're having moments of anxiety, depression, or even just self-doubt, consider writing it down. This is a proven way to help you handle difficult moments in your life. The act of simply writing it down can be an emotional release of difficult feelings, and it's also a constructive way to help you decide how big of a problem you're really dealing with. Number three, make and nurture connections. Dealing with trauma in any form is a lot easier with friends and family by your side. After the past couple of years, that may be more difficult than ever. Take some time to connect or reconnect with friends and loved ones. Having someone you really respect and love to talk to can be a great way to deal with difficult emotions. And it can be a blessing to be able to give that back in return. And those are my top three takeaways, everybody. I would love to hear from you on what yours were. Please hit me up on social media at Marriage Kids and Money on Instagram and at Andy Hill MKM on Twitter. And let's keep the conversation going. As a quick reminder, this show is for entertainment purposes only, my friends. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific situation. A big thanks to Dan Tabbitt for editing today's show and to Weird Digital Marketing for their support on Instagram and YouTube. And then Dan Hines for helping us to put together those YouTube videos. And then, of course, Mandy Burt for her stellar writing and support on the website. This content, everybody, it uh, takes a village. And I am so appreciative of having these folks help me put it together. Thank you all. Hey, if you want to create some connections with like-minded people who are on a mission to improve their family's future, join us in the Thriving Families Facebook group. This is a free Facebook group focused on helping young families thrive. And when we get a new member in the group, we like to welcome them. And recently we had a couple join us. This is both Jennifer and Ryan, a couple. And here's what they had to say about their family goals this year. Jennifer, this is what she said, I want to grow my business and establish another income stream. And then Ryan, he is interested in a possible career change, paying off debt, and putting away money for kids' college. Well, Jennifer and Ryan, you guys are in the right place because those are goals that uh, we, we like to focus on here and the Thriving Families Facebook community. And they are excellent, excellent family goals at that. It's so nice that the two of you are partnering on this mission of family financial empowerment together. That's really inspiring. Making the commitment and doing it as a team 
is an awesome first step. Can I get a round of applause for our friends Ryan and Jennifer for sharing their family goals with us? Awesome. Very cool, Ryan and Jennifer. Thank you so much. Now, not everyone has a partner or spouse like Ryan and Jennifer do that uh, can maybe hold them accountable on this improvement journey, this improvement we're seeking. So if you're looking to make some connections with like-minded people, like we talked about with Dr. John Deloney today, please check out our free Thriving Families Facebook community. You can go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community is the place to go. It is free. It's on Facebook. If you don't do Facebook, you can hang out with me on social media and other places. Instagram, Marriage Kids and Money is my handle, and then Twitter, at Andy Hill MKM. Either way, hope to see you in the online internetverse. <laughs> in the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Ralph Waldo Emerson. To be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest accomplishment. Be curious, write it down, and make connections that take you where you need to go. Carpe diem! <laughs>